Hello and welcome back to Portrait of an Editor. I am Francis Lombard. Post San Diego Comic Con, I had a great conversation with friend of the podcast, Denton Tipton, about the new version of Magma Comics. We covered Denton's and Magma's past, present, and future, and also what keeps him going through the ups and downs that come with working in comic books. Second, sorry about the tardiness of this episode, but you know, life. Now here's my conversation with Denton. Enjoy. So Denton, welcome back to Portrait of an Editor. Uh, I think it's the last time we talked, you were talking about Magma and launching it through Heavy Metal. Um, Some things have changed since then. Um, So I will try, I will dig up that interview and repost it so folks can listen to that. But we spent a lot of time, you were working with uh, Butch Geis on a a series that was over in Europe. You were writing some things, I think in a total of maybe uh, four titles and two or three of them saw the light. Basically, from yeah, Magma? Four out. All uh, four yeah. out? Yeah, there was one that we announced that we didn't get to do, and that was uh, a reprint of the Keep uh, comic book adaptation. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. the Butch Geist book, I think, got delayed or never happened. No, the, yeah, we, we've got that. Um, oh, that went out. That came out. Uh, that was, uh, yeah, Amber Blake, Operation Dragonfly. Yeah. That completed the trilogy, and then we uh, collected that in a hardcover, and that that was delayed a bit. Uh, you know, due to due to COVID and and whatnot. So, um. so Magma showed up in 2020. Just to get a review, you launched it through Heavy Metal, um, and then uh, you managed to get. I think you had your first round of series come out, and that so that took you to 2021, 20 deep into 2021, right? Yes. Yeah, I think we announced in 2020, um, I believe our first books came out early uh, 21. Uh, yeah, we, we did um, Chasing the Dragon was the first book, and that one I had written, um, and Minton uh, 3 did the art on that one. And then we had Modern Frankenstein uh, followed that yep. four-issue series. Um, Modern Frankenstein by Paul Cornell and Emma Vicelli, um, and we had... Um, uh, we had the Bolands on coloring and uh, lettering, uh, Pippa and uh, uh, Simon. Um, then on, um, then we had um, the Amber Blake book that came out by uh, Jade Lagardere and um, Butch, as you mentioned, did the art. And then we also had a uh, flip book that came out. It was pretty fun by Ethan Sachs and Marco Lorenzana. It's called Intrusion. And it was about, um, like, a Louisiana family um, back during uh, 1800s, and they come in contact with um, a creature in the swamp. And uh, the flip book part is uh, you have the same story, but from uh, the creature's point of view as well. Oh, shoot, I'm sorry I missed that. That sounds That's pretty cool. That sounds unique. Uh, yeah. I wonder. It's a little challenge, but uh, the team, you know, pulled it off, and yeah, it, it came out really nice. Oh, great, great. Now, um, I guess we might be jumping all over the place because I do want to talk about Opus Comics, and mm-hmm. um, because you moved on to that. Our, but my seeing we're talking about the first stage of Magma. Are any of those books going to be coming back with the relaunch of your uh, of uh, the new version of Magma, Phase 2, I guess, for lack of a better term. Right, yeah, I've been calling it Magma 2.0. 2.0, <laughs> okay. <laughs> and there's been 2.1, 2.3 as well, but um, we keep it simple. Um, but yeah, those uh, those rides have got uh, reverted back. Uh, so yeah, so those will stay with Magma. Um, I'm uh, getting a handle on, uh, you know, where the stock is, you know, how much uh, we've got left. So um, I don't know if we're going to be doing any reprints, but, um, you know, right away. But those, those will be part of the back catalog and uh, stick around and maybe get uh, expansions as well. So, I mean, so when we talked in 2020, Heavy Metal was doing this big push. They had, they were made the, the magazine, the flagship magazine, monthly. They launched a number of different imprints. Uh, there was some creator-owned imprints where the creator was involved. They had, I think, six books. Uh, some, there was one 
think a werewolf Viking tale that seemed really, really interesting and seemed to get mm-hmm. some attention. I can't remember the name, but it, it looked... Sun Eater. Sun Eater. Sun Eater. Sun Eater. Yes, Sun Eater mm-hmm. seemed to be the real standout. That was really unique. Uh, all sort of playing, you know, within the sensibility of heavy metal. It seemed mm-hmm. like a revitalization, pretty ballsy, to be honest, to do it during COVID. Um, but as I was talking to Will Dennis on another interview, everybody was surprised at how comics really bounced back when COVID came in. So mm-hmm. the industry was a bit flushed. Um, things are looking up. I mean, but for me personally, I'm like, wow, this is a huge expansion. This is a huge expansion, a quick expansion. Um, is the industry ready? Are Americans ready to read something that's European and adult? And as a personal reader, I'm, I'm like, yeah, I want to check out the adult stuff. I want to check out something that's a little more risque, um, you know, heavy metal. Um, and now here we are, what is it? August 3rd, 2023. I just read that Chris Longo left heavy metal, um, as publisher. He was there for three and a half years. Um, the whole deal they had with whatnot, I believe collapsed. Uh, and that was announced earlier uh, in mid July. And now you are separating. You've managed to separate from them. Can you give us some background of just, I know, as we were talking before we started recording, there's some things you can't touch upon, but just sort of like the layout of how you navigate sort of the ups and downs of protecting something that, because Magma was you, I mean, you left IDW or IDW basically let you go. And then all you, you know, Magma seemed to be like your baby and, you know, probably you're like, I can make this happen. I can, you know, if I work hard enough and, you know, do the right calls and everything, but how do you navigate something like that? I guess, intellectually, business, emotionally, you know, to get through that sort of those white, you know, rough waters to be where you are today. Yeah, yeah. No, I I just kind of stuck uh, to my North Star once, uh, you know, I got let go by IDW and had, uh, you know, time to take stock. Um, you know, I just kind of did that and decided, uh, well, didn't decide, I just kind of learned that, you know, m- my expertise, my, uh, you know, um, it, my expertise, my, well, not my motivation, but kind of my purpose would be make comics. Um, cause it's something, you know, I can do done for, you know, more than 10 years, got, you know, a lot of contacts, um, a lot of experience. Um, so, and, you know, basically like if, if you know it well enough that you can teach it, you can, you know, that's kind of your purpose. And I could, teach making comics. I can make comics myself. I know how to get them done as an editor. And then being able to see IDW grow, you know, I I started there. Oh, gosh, it was 2007, I believe. So they were pretty young. We were, um, you know, still scrappy. So I got to see the whole enterprise grow and learn, you know, the mistakes and and the places where you go. And and it's all about uh, being flexible, you know, coming in, with a plan and then being able to, uh, you know, adjust. Um, and so, so yeah, going back to heavy metal, I, um, was working on my own comics. Uh, the, um, the author of Amber Blake had reached out looking for someone to help get the third volume finished and find a publisher for it. Um, and so I started talking to Tim Seeley, who was a, a old buddy, uh, worked with, uh, on some comics. Um, we did some, uh, forgotten realms, some dungeons and Dragons stuff, mm-hmm. uh, gosh, back in the day. Um, but, um, yeah, he really liked the pitch for chasing the dragon, uh, liked the art, you know, it was a good fit for heavy metal. And then, um, and then I showed him Amber Blake, um, and they were already working with Butch, you know, and it was quality stuff. Mm-hmm. So he's like, okay, let me kick you up to the CEO. Um, at the time was Matt Medney. And he was like, yeah, these are great. How about, you know, we give you an imprint, um, you know, which sounds great. He's like, but, you know, it was a lot of work. I was, it was more like kind of like an image kind of deal where I was doing my thing. I was financing it. We were splitting profits. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, um, you know, we got into it and, um, yeah, yeah. Just, uh, some of the business decisions being made, um, you know, didn't, didn't work out. 
and you know became clear I needed to you know go a different direction. Um, and at the same time, um, the Opus Comics was um, uh, another imprint, a heavy metal focused on like the music stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, music materials so they had uh, been doing like pinball machines and merch and they were um, you know going to launch a comic book line and uh, so they needed some help doing that so uh, that was uh, Lexi Leon and I had met him when I was working at IDW Uh, he had uh, uh, done a creator own book called Eternal Descent and I was his contact at IDW for you know helping get the files and all that off to print so he's like, I need some help making some comics. You know, you, you're, you know, we're going to leave heavy metal, so let's go. Um, yeah, so we, um, he had the Frank Frazetta license, um, you know, to do merch and comics. Also had a few uh, musical bands lined up like Disturbed, Evanescence, and a few others. So basically, uh, you know, helped him build a comic book line based on that, uh, which... Um, so, so we started off with Death Dealer was our first book and that did really well. Um, I think we did about 50,000, uh, copies of the first issue. Oh, wow. That's pretty good for an independent. Yeah. yeah. For indie, indie company. So we were really happy with that and Diamond, you know, realized, you know, they had, you know, something on their hands. So they supported us and helped, you know, build the company up, um, so that was pretty nice. So yeah, so we did that um, and brought in um, R.G. Irena, who was a managing editor at Heavy Metal. And once he left, uh, we brought him in to help edit some of the books. Um, right. Um, so yeah, so we did that. We did a Bill and Ted series or two, which was a lot of fun. Um, so yeah, it was nice to have that much freedom and, and work directly with, you know, creatives and the creators of the, the bands. Like, so we got to work directly with, you know, the Frazetta estate, work with Sarah Frazetta. So it wasn't, um, you know, like corporate license stuff. Like I was used to at IDW, you mm-hmm. know, dealing with, you know, Paramount or, or, you know, Hasbro, Disney, Hasbro, NBC Universal. Even some uh, Marvel. <laughs> Marvel, yeah. Uh, for a while, I was uh, what, what, in what I call the Devil's Triangle. <laughs> Which um, was that? It, it was Disney, Disney, Marvel, and Lucasfilm. Because <laughs> I was doing kids' comics for Marvel and Lucasfilm. We were doing Star Wars Adventures. Uh, Bobby Kernow and I were editing that. Um, and... Uh, and then also I was doing uh, overseeing the Disney line, so the standard characters like Mickey Mouse and Donald and all that. So I was uh, by that time I'd moved on from group editor, became managing editor, and was overseeing all the Disney properties. So I had to navigate the politics of Disney over Lucasfilm and Marvel, mm-hmm. but Lucasfilm and Marvel were, are pretty independent. You know, at the time, Ike Perlmutter had, you know, Marvel under his thumb, and then uh, Lucasfilm was run separately, you know, by Kathleen Kennedy. And, um, you know, as, as, as time went on, Marvel uh, and, and Lucasfilm kept feeling the, the pressure from Disney. Um, you know, they, so navigating that was, uh, uh, will be a podcast unto itself. So, yeah, so at Opus, yeah, I wasn't dealing with any of the, the high-level yeah. licenses, work, working directly with, with the, the people, you know, the, the actual creators of these things. Like, we were extensions of the band's, you know, uh, brand. We, you know, we weren't mm-hmm. just, you know, licensing. Um, so we got to work directly with, say, Amy Lee from Evanescence. So as a, you were, You're an executive editor, I see, in the, the headmaster. Uh, mm-hmm. the, masthead i'm sorry the masthead uh what is that i mean what were your duties seeing this is a show about editing mm-hmm. how does a what is the duties of a executive editor at opus yeah i don't you know executive editor is you know different at each publication mm-hmm. uh, you know it's kind of an equivalent to editor-in-chief but usually uh will come with a secondary title like a vice presidency or or something like that uh, but I took that title on there because I was more than an editor in chief. I was, you know, making um, 
you know, helping build the company. So I was like hi helping hire and run uh, like the marketing folks that we had. Uh, I was helping source printers. Um, you know, I was the one that went to Diamond. So I was doing a lot of business development on top of, you know, editorial. Um, so, so I felt executive editor, um, you know, was, was a closer fit than, you know, editing editor in chief slash this slash that slash that. So just kind of came up with that and, uh, you know, it worked for Lexi. Now you talk about, you know, I know how to make comics, but that, what you're talking about is a whole different level of, you know, yeah, the know, relationships no, well, and I would, I'd say I know how to get comics get made. Yeah. Uh, how to make comics, but getting comics made is a completely different thing, which I think you're about to get into. Yeah, at fifty thousand a pop, you know, or not just joining a Kickstarter or something, but really setting up a business that hopefully makes a profit, because that's what you know how you guys pay your light bill, basically, mm -hmm. is that you know, with money. So, I mean, there, I guess that's what you're you're getting more detailed. And is it? Are relationship based, or do you know, like when you walked into as a, this position as executive editor, that you're like, I know what I need to check off to make this a successful company that will endure the marathon that is publishing? Yeah, yeah, no, I, I was very, um, you know, strategic going into it, and I had a list of things that needed to be done, and and you know what we needed to do to to accomplish those things. Um, so yeah, it was very, very much planned, and yeah, you don't just you know, drop a comic and sell 50,000, you know, a lot of work goes into that, you know, um, one thing that was huge was having a great partner in Frazetta girls mm -hmm. They, you know, they helped a lot in getting the word out to, you know, the fan base. Uh, you know, we did a lot of outreach, um, you know, and, um, the timing, uh, was right as well. Um, so it, you know, a lot, a lot of, you know, it was a lot of, lot of thought went into it, and the timing, getting the stuff done, um, the strategy for variant covers, you know, how that would work, who, who we would distribute through, um, you know, and and so, so there was a lot of forethought that went into it, um, you know, and and you know, started off really great. Now, I noticed it a little while back that. Opus seemed to pull back some of the books or release dates, like, uh, uh, or even went from a bi-monthly, the book that you wrote, and then that's that, what is it, science fiction fantasy adventure? I, shoot, I don't have the book in front of me. Well, it tells science fantasy, yeah. Science that, fantasy was started that, that as a... Be quarterly. It was originally quarterly? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, okay. So, did you guys, at, now that you're in the thick of publishing... And now I just got a whole bunch of new releases that Opus is doing. I, first, when we before we started recording, are you still with Opus, or have you moved? Are you is your focus still on Magma? I don't know how much how much deeper. Yeah, we can no, get I, I I left Opus. Oh, you uh, did. Okay, here um, to uh, yeah to get Magma going again. Okay, but how once you make that initial order and things are looking really up, but as you get into the marathon, what kind mm -hmm. of a I mean. As executive editor, what adjustments do you try to see coming down the pike? How do you react to stuff that might happen quickly, you know, that catch you, you know, blind, you know, blindside you? But what is your, what was, as you launch it, you have a great launch. That's great. That helps. But mm -hmm. how do you see, set the company up for next year and the year right. beyond? Right, right. So, yeah, I think, um, yeah, starting off strong and then building on your strengths and learning from your mistakes, um, you know, is key in any, any enterprise, uh, especially for longevity. Um, you know, with, with death dealer, you know, came out, did really great. So we kind of duplicated that with the science fiction, uh, paintings that, uh, Frank Frazetta had done. Mm -hmm. So we did a similar, um, like, the uh, retailers really responded to our uh, covers. You know, we had strong covers. We had themes. So they were, uh, they made sense. Uh, they, we weren't just throwing stuff out there, um, you know, and, and then we had some consistency. So, you know, we started doing one in five um, ratio variants. Uh, so something a little lower to kind of um, make it a little easier to get in, lower that uh, barrier to entry. And, 
And then we do it line wide. So like the one in five, easy to get, we do um, action figure variants, you know, because okay. uh, we actually were making, uh, well, Opus wasn't, but Incendium, the parent company, uh, was also making toys based off some of this stuff. So so there's a uh, death dealer toy that you could buy. And so, you know, we'd do a death dealer toy cover. And some people just thought it was a mock-up, but it's like, no, these are actually real. So we got to do a little cross promotion there. Um, so, so you know, for the sci-fi thing, we we just copied the game plan, uh, you know, and brought in some great artists and writers. Um, uh, you mentioned Sun Eater. The artist on that was uh, Diego Yapur. Mm-hmm. Um, and since that um, series had ended, uh, we hired him to do Dawn Attack, which was the Frank Frazetta sci-fi series. Um, so yeah, so it basically kind of like lean into your, um, you know, successes, learn from those, but also learn from your mistakes. Um, like, let's see, like the Bill and Ted, we were, we were, uh, probably too aggressive with that one. I think we put out some, uh, you know, good material, some really good stories, but it's very niche. Um, you know, so it's not something, you know, I was wanting, to try to get something out there monthly if possible, you know, so we did like a mini series and followed up with some one shots and then we're going to do another mini series, you know, but what we found, you know, there wasn't a, a demand for it as much as we had hoped. And, you know, you think, okay, if we're out there monthly, you know, you can build a habit, you know, it's always out there, something to talk about. And, um, you know, it just didn't work out for that book. So we had to scale back on that a bit. Um, and you and this is released when the the third movie was coming out. This was after after, after the third movie, movie. We, mm-hmm. which was only on net. I think was it the yeah it was theatrical and then what Netflix I think or um, I think that's Warner Brothers. So I think it might have been on Max or HBO. It, okay, HBO. Yeah, yeah, whatever they call it. <laughs> yeah, no. But so they did have. I think it did have a re- theatrical and and then actually got decent reviews too. So that yeah. started the idea of doing that because there was a Bill and Ted comic way back when, when the, the, the two movies yeah, yeah. came out. Evan, Evan Dorkin did one at Marvel. And then, um, I think boom did one for a while. Uh, dark horse did, uh, face the music tie in. Mm. Uh, and then our license covered the first two movies. Uh, so it had nothing to do with the last one. So, um, but you know, same characters, yeah. uh, yada, yada, uh, just can't, use concepts from, from that third movie. Um, you know, and then, you know, Keanu was, you know, pretty big in comics with Berserker. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, so it made sense, but you know, it's niche, uh, like a lot of the Opus stuff, you know, it has that metal lifestyle, yeah. um, you know, thing to it. So that, you know, if it is music and eighties and they were into hair metal or whatever and moved on. Uh, so yeah, 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 it just fit. Uh, yeah. But 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 didn't you know didn't have the legs we were hoping it would. So, so I mean, how does that work with the license? If the license you have, you probably mm-hmm. have a term, you know, amount of time you have the license, and then do you finish off the license? Are you responsible for finishing out, or do you yeah, go back it, to and say it's it not really worth the contract? Yeah. Uh, is on the contract, but generally, you know, when you get a license, you'll pay, you know, you pay an advance against a minimum guarantee. Um, so say, uh, say you want to go get the, um, whatever, the Turtles license, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Uh-huh. And you go to uh, Viacom Nickelodeon, you say, I want it for, you know, three years, five years, and I'll give you, you know, 10,000, well, let's say 50,000 against a minimum guarantee of a hundred thousand. So they're like, Oh, we'll take that deal. So you give them 50 grand and then over the term of the deal, you earn out the rest. Um, you know, so basically they get their royalties. And then, uh, if you don't hit a hundred thousand, you know, you've got to pay that up, uh, as a publisher. Um, you know, so that's kind of how it works. And if it's not successful, not making money, you just kind of slow things down, try to retool, um, you know, and then, you know, depending on the term, you know, it'll, you'll, you'll earn out or, um, 
or not, and then the term will end and someone else will pick up a license. Uh, sometimes, um, you know, the, the licensee will, uh, or licensor will, uh, will want to buy out mm-hmm. the, the contract. Sometimes, you know, you can release it as a publisher. Uh, so, yeah, there's there's different different ways. And, and, you know, each contract is different, so they all have their own terms. But that's kind of generally how it can work. Gotcha. So you've moved on from Opus. Well, my one last question, now I remember it. The one last question regarding Opus. When you have, a, I guess, the visuals of a Frenzetta, Frenzetta, what did you think of it as somebody who, you know, trying to launch this company? Was that like something that like a big feather in your cap that this is something I can, you know, get through the, all the other, the noise that's out there Did that. And did that pay off too? I mean, obviously with 50,000, you know, the first issue there was, uh, you know, his name, everybody knows about it and you're coming from heavy metal. So there's, you know, that link and then he's, you know, his art's been around for decades Mm-hmm. How did you look at that strategically, having that that piece to play with? Yeah, like no, it, it's a huge, huge honor. Um, you know, Frank Frazetta's Godfather of Fantasy Art. You know, we've been seeing it for years on sides of vans or on you know Molly Hatchet covers or whatever. <laughs> um, you know, High Times covers, National Lampoon. I mean, yeah. Uh, Conan, I mean, he, he was a living legend. Uh, so, yeah, I, I was excited to be able to do that and work directly with the estate, um, you know. And a lot of the paintings, you know, were um, used also on Eerie and Creepy mm-hmm. and those sorts of magazines where, you know, he would do a painting and then, you know, uh, you know, Bill Gaines would get in the, the painting and then hand it to Archie Goodwin and it's like, okay, here's the cover. They're like, you know, ride it or give it to a team and create a story around this image. And, you know, I was like, we kind of get to do that all over again and, and and kind of uh, link some of them together. uh, Like we did with Dawn attack, you know, death dealer is pretty easy. It's a bunch of death dealer, but we also like pulled other characters uh, from like sorceress, uh, the sorcerer where he's summoning the demon. That's a famous uh, creepy cover, I believe. Um, or eerie, one of the Gaines magazines, but yeah, yeah, it was it was an incredible honor to be able to do that. So, and you know, I had a lot of freedom. You know, I had a great partner to work with. So, so that was nice. So we just kind of started looking at like what artists are you know would would be able to do justice to to Frazetta's creations. So a lot of thought went into that. Um, we, the, we had already had a writer on board when I came in, uh, Mitch, um, Iverson. Um, so he was already on board and had worked on a, the pitch. So they already had kind of like a story game plan. So, but when I came in, but, you know, I helped craft it and then, um, you know, build a publishing plan around it. Um, so, you know, took some experience that I had, you know, what open cover, open order, how we should do ratios should we do ratios uh we did retailer exclusive covers um but the the exciting part is is the story you know getting to create something new so we wanted to avoid what had been done in the past you know because it had been there had been novels by uh i think jim silk there had been uh you know the danzig verotic uh comics so it had it, an image done a run i think with jay photos and uh nat jones and that crew so so it's been done before so we kind of looked at those and you know try to do something different and Mm -hmm. something exciting and um yeah yeah any any other kind of facets of that uh, i can go into no uh so let's switch gears to magma and to 2023 um it sounds like you've you're all in on that you've um you had a panel at comic-con just a couple weeks ago, you know, and uh, I hope you survived. It looks like you survived the con. It looks like it was actually his success. It nobody, all the pearl clutching over, you know, Hollywood's not going to be around. Who cares? You know, it, it looked like the numbers were for attendance, and everybody enjoyed talking comics and focusing on comics. So here you are, 2023. You've held. You've 
separated from heavy metal. Um, and, and you have the books as you were talking about the beginning, the stuff you originally mm-hmm. published. Um, what are you, you know, what are you doing different than, you know, in the last three years, what have you learned to do different now that you're sort of, you know, playing without a net here. You don't have the the legacy of that Opus was tapping into, or that heavy metal was sort of tapping into. You are your own man in a way. So yeah, you know, yeah. um, what what's the sort of how you take? What's your point of you know take on this? Yeah, that, that's exactly it. Um, I, I I am I am on my own. It's you know we're an independent company, and that that's exciting thing about it because I won't be. Uh, you know, beholden to um, you know anyone else, and and their business decisions. Um, you know, so that that's the one thing that's kind of scary. But I've also um, you know learned a lot starting up Opus, getting getting that publisher going. So I learned a lot about doing it myself, even after all the years of you know seeing it done at IDW and and learning. Uh, but you know the the key thing is like the market keeps uh, changing. It you know the market when I got in say with Magma 2020-21, you know the 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 worst you know the worst of the of the pandemic was hitting us, so everyone was scared and scrambling. But like you alluded to, the uh, market expanded, you know, exploded um, because everyone was stuck in, at home and wanted stuff to read. Um, so you, you know, have to, you know, adjust to that. And since then, you know, last year, the numbers kind of came back down. And uh, the numbers, I think, are pretty close to pre-pandemic at this point. So, you know, had the big boom, but we're kind of back as an industry where we started. Um, With all the issues, too, of distribution, of competition against with streamers for not money, but time more than anything. Time, Um, attention. Yeah. How do you grab the attention when somebody all they need to do is open their phone, which they're staring at 24 seven? How do you Mm -hmm. get them, pull them to look at this? you know, four colored, you know, you know, uh, floppy or a graphic novel or something, you know, to make the extra effort that they have to, to get that in, in front of them. But all those issues that the industry has been struggling with. Yeah. 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 So let me take some notes here. Distro <laughs> and, uh, phones. Okay. So yeah, going back to distribution. Yeah. And it is splintered now. Uh, you know, when the pandemic happened, uh, DC pulled out of Diamond and went to uh, Lunar and um, another company. I can't recall because they didn't last. Uh, but uh, so, yeah, so that happened. Diamond no longer had the monopoly. Uh, Marvel later pulled out, went to Penguin Random House, uh, who had just started up a periodical distribution specifically for Marvel. They've taken on a few other uh, publishers now, I think Dark Horse and IDW, a chief among them. Uh, but um, yeah, so it, it is splintered. Uh, there's Lunar, there's uh, is the new big player, um, and uh, Diamond, you know, has lost a lot of steam, but they're still a major player. Um, you know, retailers have issues with Lunar. Well, some retailers do because they also the owners of Lunar also own DCBS. Yes, this kind yeah. of comic book service, mm-hmm. which is like an online uh, deep discounter for comics. Which, um, you know, the retailers brick and mortar see as their biggest, uh, you know, competition. So, so they're wary of them. Um, but, you know, Diamond has had issues in the past. Uh, retailers are you know, pretty unhappy with their shipping. Um, so for Magma, want, wanted to do a multi-distributor strategy. Mm-hmm. So we want to say, okay, we're going to be Lunar exclusive or PRH exclusive or Diamond exclusive. Uh, we're going to distribute through as many as possible so the retailers have their choice. You know, some prefer diamonds, some prefer lunar, you know, so we want to give them their choice. Um, but going into like, how do you stand out? How, you know, the market is going to have a shakeout this year. You know, there's some companies that have been on the precipice. Some already have fallen off like, um, 
you know, Aftershock, um, but they they announced that they're coming back at Comic-Con, so they they seem to be positioned to emerge from uh, Chapter 11 bankruptcy. But, um, you know, there's going to be a lot of other shoes drop this year, I think. Um, we have Aftershock Heavy Metals probably, you know, out for a while. Yeah, yeah. It just, it uh, there were some others I can't remember. Well, IDW is iffy. I don't know. I think it sounds like they're re- bouncing back a bit, at least. Yeah, they they laid off uh, about a third of the yeah. company and brought in um, a new CEO. Um, Valiant, yeah. Valiant's probably. I don't know what's going on. They, the book's delayed uh, now. Valiant, yeah, they yeah, Alien Book is publishing Valiant now. Mm-hmm. Will be so. I'm not. They haven't announced how that's going to shake out, but uh, Alien Books is. Uh, Led by uh, to, uh, Matthias Demarchi, um, um, and who, who I I know uh, did didn't know this was in the works though, so it was pretty interesting meeting up with him at uh, Comic Con and seeing things going. But his head was still spinning from all the 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 work that goes into you know doing something like this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, standing out, I think um, like everyone is stuck on their phones, so. Uh, you know, one key thing to do in marketing is, is is meet your audience where they are. So they're going to be on their phone. So, you know, we're going to do some outreach, um, you know, digitally, um, you know, trying to get to people where they're like, where are they at on their phones? You know, what what, what apps are they using these days? What social media, uh, you know, they're on Reddit or Facebook. Where, where are audience at and try to bring them in. Uh, you know, first you could bring them into the digital comics. So we're, we're already on uh, global comics. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a new uh, digital publisher called Omnibus uh, that we're going to be on as well. Uh, so we're going to kind of try to be in a lot of different places there to uh, drive discoverability of Magma. You know, we're going to put some money into advertising in the digital spaces where people at, are at, you know, so maybe do some Facebook ads to get people to our digital comic. Uh, but, you know, research shows, you know, a lot of, um, you know, millennials prefer print, you know, and they're the biggest group of readers right now. Uh, you know, a lot of the younger people that grew up digital are, uh, you know, wanting print. They want a different experience. Uh, so I think print is far from dead. So uh, we're going to try to, you know, meet audience uh, that aren't aren't already reading comics, you know, where they're at in digital spaces, and try to convert them. There was one thing, yeah, that was one positive stuff prior to COVID, was that the talk that print wasn't dead, that the print numbers were actually going up even mm-hmm. before the shutdown occurred, and then the whole sort of um, little bump that happened after everybody got reorganized and came out of COVID and were able to get comics again, um, that print still was standing strong and that actually moving forward and which is great because uh, in a previous podcast, I was talking about the experience of like reading a bunch of comiXology original stuff online. And I'm actually enjoy this sort of guided view because maybe because it is a different experience, but then looking at the comics later and it's like, wow, this is a whole different, I can immediately, it's a whole different experience. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a whole different um, way of reading. It's, and I think actually you, you, the vi- as a visual medium, you really are able to enjoy the visual visuals more in print um, than I think online in a way. Um, as a reader and reading, I think online you're especially with the guided view, you see that you're you're reading the story, and I think as a printed comic you're experiencing the story. Maybe that's a, I don't know, uh, maybe not the best thought out way of how to describe it, but that's how it sort of feels. You know, the best way for me right now. You know, so mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I guess they're all. I guess they are. They're all experiences, but uh, mm-hmm. you know, the the print you can get deeper possibly. Yeah. yeah. It's like the guided view uh, kind of takes away some of the uh, advantages that you have in a comic, um, you know, the print comic, because, you know, it's it's forcing it more like a movie where, you know, there's a frame rate, there you're, there's a certain... It's a linear thing. That take. So, like, reading, 
um, you want to be able to go back like, oh, did I miss something? And you can mm-hmm. flip back and reread something real quick or look for something in the panel, whereas you can't really do that. Uh, you know, in a guided view where it's more difficult, you got to like back click and then, oh crap, you hit the wrong button and it kicks you yeah, out. No. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. You, know, it, it, you, you go back to that non-linear experience that comics has always been able to provide and mm-hmm. that it's more than just a sit, a, one, a session. It's an experience that moving around and it really is up to you how much time you want to spend with the material mm-hmm. when, when it comes down to print. You know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then that experience also carries on, you know, over into community. You know, if you want to talk about mm-hmm. the thing that you're reading, um, you know, that's something else. You know, we want to build a community, and it's all going to be creator focused at Magma. So, you know, we're not going to have those big brands. So we're going to have, you know, some big creators that come on board that are going to be bringing their audience with them. And, you know, and then we'll be working with them to promote their works. You know. Um, uh, I've, I've heard it said a lot that marketing in, in the comics is, is pretty piss poor. Yep, um, it is. Yeah. <laughs> not, it, there's not much resource put toward it. Nope. Um, you know, and, and no one, there's, there's very few that know how to do it well. Um, and then some of the ones that know how to do it well are just not motivated to do it in their current positions. So it's like, yeah, I, so, you know, we're, we're, we're in, uh, you know, a down market, but it's still pretty stable. There's, um, you know, a lot of things that have changed, but I think there's a lot of uh, opportunity. You know, uh, there's niches that we can get into. You know, we're doing, you know, the adult stuff that's more, um, has more European sensibilities. I, I could uh, see that uh, for sure. And that's great to hear because I was just recently been going through some thoughts about the comics I'm getting and you know, like why am I reading a DC comic and Superman and Batman when I sit back and read it? I'm like, it's nothing compared to the novels I just finished and it's all nostalgia. And I'm like really the writing and I understand what, you know, it's a PG kind of writing and I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm getting, you know, I'm, I can't wait for the next Brubaker Phillips you know, novel to come out to refresh my love for comics or this is why I really jumped into heavy metal the last three years, because even though not all of it was that great at times, but it still had an edge that was reading up for me. It was the medium that I love, but mature and a little more challenging and a little more thought. There was one story, which I can't remember, but I'm like, wow, the pacing on this is a little bit slow, but I'm beginning. I I'm loving this right now. I can't remember what sci-fi story it was, but there was a really a number of standout books. I mean, stories in heavy metal towards the last, you know, a few that I'm like, this is for adults, you know? Right. Yeah. The, those, yeah, those type of comics, they're compromised by, you know, their, their, their corporations and yeah. their audiences, they, they want to be sophisticated and write, you know, okay, we're making comics for adults, but you can't really explore adult themes because those characters are also on lunchboxes and stuff. So, you know, it, it's kind of a real, real tough thing to try to navigate. And, uh, and, and when, and when you do, you know, those, those edges are the thing that the sharp points, you know, those make things interesting. And when you round all those off and you got this, you know, homogenized thing, that's going to be the least offensive to all people. And, you know, you just get mediocre uh, story. Um, and, you know, no one wants that. Um, and that's what I think a lot of uh, comics readers have left because they just think of comics as DC and Marvel and, uh, you know, never, uh, never grew up. Um, I was reading a, a recent um, essay by Howard Chaikin, um, our, our, our favorite uncle, Uncle Howard, and <laughs> um, you know he, he 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 expounded upon that as very eloquently as as he does. But is basically, you know, all these people are living in arrested development. You mm-hmm. know, they never progress. They're like. 12 year olds and living out their 12 year old fantasies as 40, 50, 60 year old, mostly men, you know, um, they, they never grew up and took on, uh, you know, being adult or, you know, so 
so they're kind of inf- you know infantile uh, in a way so you know uh, when I was growing up with comics I was a kid but I grew up with comics you know as I got older you know got into the more edgy stuff you know Dark Knight Returns and Watchmen came out so you know late 80s I started getting into that you know went into high school college vertigo became a thing learned about the undergrounds and more of the indie scene so you know my my comics reading expanded um i learned about you know things like american flag you know in 83 i was watching return of the jedi playing with ewoks you know i wasn't uh reading adult comics uh but um you know they were there and it's an art uh, uh an audience that uh isn't being um satisfied right now i don't think you know uh, comics for kids you know was a big boom so like like those were selling great so like everybody's like okay we're going to do kids comics so now every publisher has a kids comic in print Mm -hmm. but um you know they're not thinking about the growth of those people um or what they're going to read next you know what are you know Kids comics were huge, but what uh, Raina, Raina uh, Telgemeier, like, where are her readers going? You know, the kids that grew up on, you know, Smile and books like that, like, what are they reading next? They're, they're reading manga for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that that's uh, really exploded over the past few years. And, um, you know, the, another one of these 20-year cycles, you know, back in the early 2000s, manga came you know got big oh again. yeah yeah um, and you know 20 years prior to that it started getting big with apple seed and the wolf and cub and yep. uh, akira you know being brought over by dark horse so you know we're hitting one of those cycles but again it's a cycle so where are manga readers uh, going to be tomorrow what are they going to read um they're mostly you know teenagers um you know most of that material is ya um, so Magma's going to learn from, from those, uh, you know, successes as well. We're going to be, you know, having some material that will help cross over, uh, manga readers into comics, uh, you know, American style. Mm-hmm. So you're, I mean, from the conversation and reading this, some of the stuff you, from San Diego, from your panel, it's, you're looking for, you're producing stuff that even though you're separated from heavy metal, sort of, there's that, still that older take that edgier take for lack of a better term right now because you can still you can do comics for an older audience it doesn't have to be just naked people walking around with a sword Uh, more intellectually and emotionally older i guess yeah yeah yeah. you go uh mature readers was the label for a while um if you say adult people think porn so uh, you know that one uh so I remember the old Swamp Things before they had mature readers labels. It was a sophisticated suspense. Yes. So, yeah. <laughs> so that's so, what, that's where you're. That's the realm for Ma, that for Magma. Yeah, very much. Yeah, we want to. Con- yeah, like continue. Magma went into it. You know, trying to stick with um, you know close to the heavy metal thing of experimental. Uh, you know, creator forward. You know, try trying new things. But but definitely for an adult uh, audience, um, so yeah, we're going to kind of continue that, and that's a niche that is is still isn't being fulfilled. You know, mm-hmm. there's stuff that poses as it, but is compromised. There's stuff that you know just for kids, uh, but there's you know not a whole lot of stuff, uh, you know, just for adults and uh, focused on that, and you know not worried about having to promote you know, My Little Pony next to, you know, a slasher comic, you know, we'll be able, you know, be able to, um, you know, reach reach over to different audiences and kind of stay in the same wheelhouse. So I only got a couple minutes left. Um, is there anything specific you can talk about, or is it too early about titles that you might be releasing. I guess I'm looking for a scoop. So. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't have a scoop to give you right now, unfortunately, because um, I don't want to. Um, uh, Marketing. Know, <laughs> I don't want to jump the gun. Uh, you know, I, I don't mind the marketing so much, but I don't want to jump the gun before things are under contract. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
seen it happen before uh, and don't want to make that mistake. Um, so we're going to, we're going to hold off on creative, but, um, my, uh, uh our, our editor in chief is Bobby Curnow. Yeah. Um, yeah. IDW. Yeah. Speaking of my little pony. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, um, yeah. Yeah. And Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I mentioned him from Star Wars. So if you look at mine and his, um, you know, editorial yes. background and the works we the creators that we keep working with over and over, that'll probably give you a clue on, on the future of Magma. Great. Well, I guess then I'm going to have to have you come back on the show uh, once uh, we can talk about uh, what you guys are going to hit us with. Um, I think, you know, as you, we've said a couple times in this, that there's, there's plenty of room, you know, for what it sounds like what you guys are aiming for. There, there's an audience out there. Uh, I definitely will be checking stuff out, looking forward to some sophisticated suspense. So, <laughs> with sophisticated yeah, and suspense. And we'll do all sorts of genre fiction. So we're doing sci-fi, fantasy, mm-hmm. uh, horror, uh, crime, mystery, um, you know, some, some mashups, which, which I always find fun. Um, Great. And, you know, just and just probably some straight up, you know, action thriller stuff. You know, there's not as much adventure stuff as, as there used to be either. Um, you know, it's all got to be, you know, couched in something or another, something supernatural or sci fi. But, you know, uh, we might we might kind of get back to the pulp roots of comics and, and do some stuff that's, um, you know, just straight up adventure. Uh-huh. No, that's perfect. That's uh, I was just reading. You mentioned um, who's the publisher that Goodwin and Frenzetto used to work with. Um, oh, those, those uh, were the Warren magazines. Warren magazines, yeah, Warren. Uh, so, Warren. I just read this great uh, Empire of Monsters, with the bio about Warren and the company, and mm-hmm. you know those things. They worked, and they were highly. I mean, they're just amazing. The talent behind them. I mean, they just. Uh, almost they have they were perfect for their age but even reading them nowadays they still really hold you know and are working so and that's what warren built his entire publishing around was pulp and sci-fi and everything so comics can pull that off as a medium so i'm glad you guys are you know taking advantage of that i mean that'll be great so Ben, it was great catching up with you. Uh, um, uh, hopefully you've recovered from Comic-Con, and I'm looking forward to... We'll have to have you come back on in uh, what, uh, three months, four months, whenever you're, all, whenever you're ready. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe uh, in the next couple months would be good. I think um, we'll, we'll start having some announcements coming out in that, that time range. Awesome. uh, Thanks so much for having me, uh, Francis. Always a pleasure talking with you. It's great catching up, and I'll keep in touch. Take care.